This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, January 4th, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. Joe Biden's pick to head the Department of Education is neither a union leader nor a representative of parents or students, the groups that public education in the U.S. is supposed to be serving. Cato's Neil McCluskey details the background and future potential challenges faced by the likely next Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona. He is not one of the bigger names that was being floated for the job. Most of the discussion was about whether uh, current or former teacher union presidents would be nominated to be the secretary. Um, We saw the name Randy Weingarten of the American Federation of Teachers. Uh, We saw a former president of the National Education Association uh, floated as names that could be nominated. That caused, you know, within the at least education community, a whole lot of either glee or consternation. Glee, if you think that teachers unions have been pushed aside too far and that they need to have a seat at the table. Um, Consternation if you were afraid that the Biden administration was going to be in the pocket of the teachers unions uh, when it comes to education policy. So maybe the biggest thing to know about uh, Miguel Cardona is who he isn't. He isn't one of those polarizing figures that whose name everybody knows. What he is, is he's somebody who spent his career in education. He taught for, I think it was about five years. Uh, then he became a vice principal, I think a principal, and eventually he became the head of education in the state of Connecticut. He is not known for having particularly extreme views on anything. He's never been a very vociferous opponent of school choice. He's never been a very vociferous proponent of school choice. He is not sort of considered to be in the reform camp of state superintendents or other state heads. There are groups of those sort of uh, state superintendents who are sometimes very enthusiastic about school choice. Other times they're very enthusiastic about standards-based reforms where you have state tests and state standards and schools are punished or rewarded based on how students do on those tests. He has really been sort of a a career uh, kind of middle of the road administrator. Uh, from all we can tell. So uh, my expectation is he will be pretty easily confirmed because he hasn't really made anybody too angry. If you saw the responses coming from kind of both sides of the spectrum when his name was uh, announced and after a couple of days, you saw people on the right saying, uh, well, this is much better than what we were afraid we might get. You saw people who were kind of centrist on the left saying this is great. You only saw some rumbles of unhappiness among people who are very progressive left, who who didn't like that this wasn't somebody who was a real activist and that may not represent, you know, kind of teachers and teacher unions and sort of organized teacher interests. He would enter uh, that office at a time when parents, like perhaps never before as a broad group, are very much attuned to the educations that their children are receiving in schools. Might that spur some sort of uh, federal action to try to alleviate the, the, the problems that are existing because of the pandemic and uh, school shutdowns that states have in many cases botched and in fairness to them, just were trying to do their best? 
Yeah, well, this is where things will be interesting, assuming that he gets confirmed. And again, I don't see any uh, reason right now to think that he won't. Uh, there's really nothing that's come out about him that's particularly uh, damaging. But what is developing is one of the big questions is how activists will he be and the Department of Education be when it comes to dealing with COVID-19? Uh, an ongoing theme that I've seen uh at least over the last several months, but it probably started when the lockdowns began. But really after, during the summer and after, we've seen lots of states and lots of school districts and lots of journalists saying the reason that schools are woefully or, or not dealing very well with COVID-19, like looks like public schools are often floundering just to come up with an answer, much less to execute it, is that there hasn't been federal guidance, that the federal government and the U.S. Department of Education hasn't been telling them what they should do. And the question is, well, how much is uh, Biden administration uh, with, uh, you know, presumably a secretary Cardona at the helm of the Department of Education, how much are they going to take charge and say, here is all the here's the checklist every school district and every state needs to follow on whether or not you set your schools up to run in person or you run them online. Uh, how much are they going to be involved in saying we're, we're going to withhold money as the Trump administration threatened to do? We'll withhold money maybe if you don't open it up in person. Maybe we'll withhold money if you do open in person. How much are they going to try and centralize control and direction of the education system? under the name of dealing with COVID-19. The reality is the Department of Education has no constitutional authority to do that. They don't have a constitutional authority to exist. Education is not mentioned at all in the Constitution. It's not a specific enumerated power. It's not the job. To, they shouldn't have a U.S. Department of Education because they have no power to govern education. Um, and so there's really no legal basis for them to do lots of concrete things. Um, but people would say, well, look, if they just publish guidance, if they just track how schools and districts across the country uh, are being affected by COVID, you know, who's having outbreaks, who isn't, well, then maybe that's something they could do. That won't be as troubling. Um, but what we can, would continue to see was states and districts punting what is their responsibility and saying, well, you can't blame us. We can't make any decisions. We need Washington to tell us what to do. We've seen far too much of that uh, so far under COVID-19. And if the administration says, you know, it really was the Trump administration's fault and Secretary DeVos was a terrible, terrible secretary because she didn't tell you exactly what to do to open your schools, then we've let the federal government take control at least morally, they're taking control. And we're letting states and districts get away with an excuse of, well, we don't blame us. We just, nobody told us what to do. How could we ever figure out on our own what to do? How do we know who has COVID-19, who doesn't? And that, frankly, comes off as an excuse. And I think it's become too much of an excuse. But it will be interesting to see, does this new Department of Education and their secretary jump in and say, we're here. We've got it all under control. You guys don't have to worry anymore. Yeah, I've seen, uh, at least from my vantage point uh, here, local schools that have said, we are doing our best to follow CDC guidance on uh, when to open, how to open, uh, and th and that sort of thing. And it, it just seemed odd to me that there was really every effort to avoid uh, taking a risk and, and making that decision. 
Yeah. And the CDC guidance has come out a lot. It's evolved. It's there. It's clear. There's no reason you also need the U.S. Department of Education to tell you what to do. The CDC has done it. There have been myriad studies that have shown now that schools are not drivers of infections. When there have been infections or outbreaks in the schools, it's been a reflection of the community outside the school. They haven't originated in the school. Uh, And so there's really no reason that there's no excuse for a state or a district to say, we don't have any guidance. We're just left to flounder because guidance is out there. Science is out there. Where they are in a tight spot is we continue to see that a large percentage of the population across the country and, of course, in different districts, now what district you're in will vary how large it is, but a very large percentage of parents continue to say, we do not want to send our kids to school. We don't feel safe. There's also a very large percentage that continue to say, we want our kids in person because they cannot learn online and it's really damaging them to spend all day in front of a screen. And it's true. Districts are in a very difficult position there because it's hard to satisfy everybody. But that is a fundamental problem with public schooling. That is exactly why we need school choice. All people are different, not just when it comes to COVID-19 and the threats from the disease versus the threats of not having in-person education, but everything. So what the lesson should be is, yes, this is a difficult place for districts. Districts shouldn't be in that position because we shouldn't have everybody forced to go and pay for one set of schools. We should have school choice. So they are in a difficult position in that regard. But to say that there's no guidance and that their problem is the U.S. Department of Education hasn't told them what to do just doesn't make sense with what we know exists. The CDC guidance and lots of research that shows it is pretty safe to open schools. Was there anything during the campaign uh, about, in particular, K-12 education that Joe Biden said that uh, his education secretary, you think, would be expected to act on quickly? Yeah, it's hard to know what he would act on quickly. There's a lot of call for uh, loan cancellation, actually, but it wouldn't go through the Secretary of Education. At least it wouldn't be his call. It would be for the president to say, we are going to forgive all student debt. The Biden or the Biden administration or the Biden team uh, has said they're not probably going to do that. They think that this is There should be loan forgiveness, although instead of $50,000, like we've seen floated for everybody, they're saying around $10,000, and that it should go through Congress, not through an executive order. And that is the right way to go. So, But that's the most immediate thing some people are talking about they'd like to see. The question is, what might be the most direct way that the Biden administration tries in particular to affect school choice? The big talk during the campaign was And it started uh, really with the Sanders campaign saying that they would eliminate for-profit charter schools. And the Biden campaign uh, had said, look, yeah, we're against for-profit charter schools, too, and we we would get rid of them. They can't really just get rid of them. And there are actually no charter schools that the schools themselves are for profit, but they will sometimes work with for profit management companies. And so it becomes a lot murkier than just saying, well, I'm going to get rid of for profit charters, where what they may do is um, shrink or even maybe try and eliminate or, or put extra rules on money that comes from a charter school federal program that is supposed to help charter schools get money to you know, find buildings and start. They may say, well, we're going to, by regulation, 
make it so that if you are associated with a for-profit management company, you can't get this money. But that's not something that can happen right away. There really isn't a lot of urgency that I can see politically behind it, but that's the most direct thing they can do. And then there's been more kind of broad talk of, well, and we're also, you know, or at least people would like the administration to, to somehow otherwise curb school choice. But the reality is most school choice money, most uh, by far all of the school choice money, the school choice control is at the state and local level. So there's a serious limit to what the federal could do, government could do without some like really serious overreach, like saying if you want Title I money, uh, which is the biggest pot of federal money that's sort of general aid for low-income students, they might say, if you want that, well, we're going to change regulations where you can't have a school voucher program. That would be a blatant overreach and cause a political firestorm that I don't get the sense the Biden administration wants. I think that the the sort of the feeling I get about Biden and the Biden administration is they're going to try and be sort of low profile, uh, not rock the boat, kind of be the opposite of Trump, at least for a while. And I don't think they want to just blatantly attack things that are actually really popular. That school choice is a very popular thing. Um, and so I would expect they're not going to do some of the more extreme K through 12 stuff that I hear people on the kind of more progressive side calling for. Neil McCluskey directs the Cato Institute Center for Educational Freedom. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.